0: Great to have you with us today. If you will, turn in your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. Today, Matthew 13, uh, verse 8. I want to ask you a question. And it's kind of a loaded question, and I'm going somewhere with it. But I want to ask you this question Does the ability of a teacher change with each student? So, if the teacher is a really great teacher, does the teacher become a bad teacher because they have a bad student? Now, of course, you're saying, well, no, their teacher's the same all the time. Let me ask you another question. When it came to Jesus, did Jesus' ability to teach become better or worse with his students, with his disciples? And the answer is no. They had the same Jesus all the time. But here's the difference. Different students respond differently to the same teacher. And that's what happened with Christ. He had disciples who responded differently to him. There were some disciples who received and listened and obeyed. There were others who didn't. Think about this. Peter. Peter went on to lead the first century church. He was a phenomenal leader. He did so much for Christianity. And then Judas hung himself. So Judas responded differently to the same teacher. And I want to ask today this question. What was the one secret that separated Peter and Judas? And that's what I want to talk about today, that one thing that separated Peter and separated Judas, and it's going to separate people that follow Christ this day and time as well. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 13. Uh, We've been in the parable series now for many weeks during this COVID-19, studying the teachings of Jesus and he used this uh, technique, he employed a technique called parables, where they were earthly stories that had a heavenly meaning that he would share with his uh, disciples. And so Matthew 13, which most believe that's his first parable, was he talked about the seed and the soil. And he shared with them what they all would understand, that farmers in that day and time would take seed and scatter it, hoping that the seed would grow. And he shared with them and compared this to the human heart. And how it receives God's word. And so he went through, he said there was a a, a sower, a farmer who went out and had a bag of seed. And he sowed seed. And Jesus said there were four different types of responses to the seed. Because there was four different types of soil. In the same manner, he said there's four different types of hearts and people. That everybody listening to this today, everybody watching this today... You will fit into one of these four categories. Sometimes, if you're like me, you do all four in one week, right? He said that there were some that when he spread the seed, it fell onto hard soil. And the birds came and took it away. He compared that and said the hard heart, that they didn't understand the word of God. Their heart was so hard. And some people have very hard hearts. And that's why they can't receive the word of God. Then he went on to say, hey, look, also there are some who fell on shallow soil. And it, had a, and it sprouted really quickly because it, it didn't have it had a rocky layer and the roots couldn't go deep, so it sprouted quickly. He said, but when the sun came, it withered away. In the same response, he said, there's some people who are shallow in their faith. And the moment troubles or persecutions or trials or their prayers don't get answered the way that they want, he said, they fall away or they run away. And then last week we looked at this. He said, there are some they had the seed, their seed falls into, and what he called their thorny ground, thorny soil, where there's thorns there, and the seed falls in there, and the thorns choke out that seed. He said in the same way, he said there's some people's hearts that are the strangled heart, that, that there's so many things competing for the gospel and competing for God in their life that they never have fruit for the gospel because they're always giving their life to something else and then he finishes with this he says but then and he ends on a good note he says there's some seed that falls into good soil and it produces i want to share with you what jesus says in matthew 13 verse 8 about this particular soil and then this particular heart matthew 13 8 says this still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30 60 and even 100 fold a hundred times as much as had been planted that's a great return then watch this he says anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand and then in, in verse 13 he explains this to, i mean chapter 13 verse 23 he explains it to him so now he says okay now i've given you a kind of a, an earthly situation let me let me explain this to you what it means for the heart here's what he says in matthew 13 23 The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. It's those who hear, who truly hear and understand God's word. So what does this mean for us today? What can we take away from this? And how do we become that believer that produces 30, 60, or 100? How do we have a fertile soil in our heart? How do we have a heart ready to receive? And here's the secret to it. Teachability is the number one attribute of a heart that produces for the gospel. Teachability is the number one attribute of a heart that produces for the gospel. So when you find someone who has a life that's producing, that's, that you're seeing gospel fruit, you're seeing the, the evidences of the Holy Spirit's work in their life, you're seeing the fruit of the kingdom, you're seeing a legacy, when you look at that person, you've got to understand what Jesus knows about them and what now you should know about them. They're extremely teachable. And what Jesus says, he says, the people that have the fertile soil truly here and understand. It means they're leaned in. They want to be teachable. And today, I want to talk to you about that because what is the secret? What is the difference between Peter and Judas? One was teachable and one wasn't. And I always say this, and we said this in, in, in our first message, is that when, whenever the student is ready, the teacher appears. So the teacher, his ability or her ability doesn't change with the student. It's the student's ability to be teachable. Now, here's what I've seen. and Here's what keeps us from being teachable. Uh, number one is this. If you're wondering how are people not teachable, how am I not teachable, the first thing's pride. That because you think you know it all, what, what happens? Pride creeps in. And it keeps you from learning even more. Matter of fact, Paul said this to the church at Corinth. He said, knowledge puffs up. Like, it makes you proud. He says, but love Edifies. The more knowledge you get, there's a tendency to also be a little more prideful, a little more or less teachable, and that's what he said. Solomon, the wisest man ever, he said that pride comes before, and you know this right, before the fall. And so if you ever want to find someone who's headed toward that road closed, don't go, try to teach them something. And the prideful and arrogant person will say, how dare you try to tell me about that? I know what I'm doing. It's the person who says, teach me. The person who says, help me. But pridefulness will keep you from being teachable. Here's the second attribute. It's just laziness. Let's just be real. Let's, let's call it what it is. The reason many people aren't teachable is because they're lazy. But being teachable takes work. Matter of fact, the word disciple it means disciplined learner. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, he didn't say, go and just fill up the church with people who come and just sit and say good message. He said, find disciplined learners. And so why is it that most people don't develop a teachable heart? They're just lazy. The times that I'm not, I'm, I'm not teachable, I'm not learning, it's because I'm lazy. And so we have to make sure that we're not falling into that category where we're letting laziness Keep us from being teachable because we're just not leaned in. We're kind of just glazed over. I mean, to be honest with you, it's better for you to not even probably be around uh, teaching or be around those things. Don't go to college if you don't want to learn. Don't go sit in church if you don't want to learn because it's actually making you more numb because you even just don't want to be there. What God is looking for are people not lazy but are leaned in. And the third one is this. It's past hurts. One of the reason that, uh, reasons that people aren't teachable Let's just be honest, they got hurt in the past. Matter of fact, I remember uh, one of the first people to join my team when I started the church in Florida, and he sat with me. He said, it was gonna be, he said it's going to be really hard for me to learn from you. I thought, why is that? Maybe I'm young, I don't know what. I was only 30 at the time. Yes, I'm only 32 now, if you're wondering, yeah, you still look 30. Thank you. Uh, he said, it's going to be hard for me to learn from you. And I said, why is that? He said, because you look just like my last pastor, and he hurt me. Is that not unfair? He said he had a bald head too, right? And you said something today that reminded me of him. And so it's going to be hard for me to receive your teaching. His past hurt was keeping him from learning what he could in the current moment. And so many times our past hurts will keep us from learning. We're emotionally locked up in a past season and can't receive. Our hearts aren't fertile to receive the seed of the word of God. And I want us to overcome today. I want us to overcome That whole idea of not being teachable. Because I believe this, that if you're teachable, if you're faithful, if you're available, God can use you. He's not looking at your IQ. He's looking at your teachability. He's not looking at your advanced degrees. Matter of fact, the most prideful people you will meet are usually those with masters and doctorates. I can say it because I have one. And can I tell you this? Sometimes the more you learn about that stuff, the more prideful you are, right? It's the people who are saying, you know what? I want to be taught. I want to be coached. I want to be shaped. And not only from God, but finding people and finding mentors that will do that as well in your life it's super important today that we have a teachable heart that we say god remove pride remove laziness heal me of hurts so i can be teachable because that's the key to your potential being unlocked and here's the here's the issue if you and i don't do this if we don't continue and for me it's continually being teachable if we don't do this here's what's going to happen If we don't develop a teachable heart, then we will never see our full potential. We'll never see fruit, lasting fruit that remains. See, the seed had potential. That was the teaching. That was the word of God. That was Jesus sowing. That was uh, people teaching you. The seed was the same. What was the difference? It was the soil. And so if we don't develop a teachable heart, what's going to happen is you're never going to see your full potential. You will always stay on the same level you've always been. You can, all, you can grow older, but not get better. You hear that? You can get older, but not get better. And the goal in my life is this. I want to be a better leader than I was at 30 and at 35. Now I'm 41. When I get to 50, I want to be a better leader I want to be a better husband i want to be a better father i want to be in better shape than i was 10 years earlier i wanted to remain teachable to continue to grow to see potential happen in the kingdom in my life you know the apostle paul he said this in galatians 1:18, because sometimes we believe that these guys in the new testament were just like rogues and they didn't want to learn uh, the apostle paul who was a a devout jew when, when he gave his life to christ He had to have everything deconstructed about the gospel, the Gentiles, all that stuff. What does salvation look like? And so he spent 14 years studying and learning before he ever launched out. You would think this guy had the Torah memorized, right? That was like, I mean, for him to be one of the major teachers of the law, he would have had the Old Testament, uh, you know, Torah memorized. You think, well, what does he need to study and learn? Go get him, Paul. I'm ready. You know what Paul did? He studied for 14 years in seclusion before he ever went out. And then it says this in Galatians 118. Here's what he did next. In Galatians 118, it says, then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know peter the leader of the first century church and i stayed with him for 15 days over two weeks the only other apostle i met at the time was james the lord's brother paul wanted to go to learn from them to find out what they discovered what they found out he wanted to share the 14 years you know jesus prepared 30 years for three years of ministry Many of us want to prepare three weeks and get out and do it for thirty years. See, Paul had a teachable heart. He wanted to learn. He wanted—he didn't have to go there and do that, but he did. And it's critical that you and I take the same posture and say, "You know what? I want to be teachable." Why? So you can see your full potential. I know in my life this is super important to me because uh, here's something that, that that I've done. In my life, here's what I would do as a young pastor. I was told this when I'm in my twenties. I, a mentor said this to me. He said, you can learn, you can get money or you can get wisdom in your 20s. He said, if you get wisdom, eventually you, you know, you'll have a job and you'll be you know, valuable and people will hire you. He says, but if you go for money early on and just to find a good job in your 20s, you'll never get wisdom. He said, you got to choose to get wisdom first. I said, well, explain to me what that process is. He says, you need to read. He says, leaders read. They consume, they consume, they consume because they're always creating. He says, you need to meet with people. He says, when you meet with them, when you meet with leaders, he says, here's what you're going to do. He says, you're going to ask questions. He says, you're going to buy their lunch, and you're not going to waste their time. He said this. He says, you're going to read their books before you ever meet with them if they've written books because their best is in their books. And so here's what I did, guys, when I was in college. And I went a little later to college because I toured in bands. So I was 24 when I actually went to get my bachelor's. I would drive an hour to meet with pastors. I would only get 45 minutes of their time. I wouldn't take any more than that. If they would allow me to, to buy their lunch, I would do that. But here's what I did. I brought a yellow notepad. Back then, we didn't have iPhones and iPads, right? And on that yellow notepad, I said, look, eat and talk. You can eat with your mouth open. I'm not going to judge you. I've got 45 minutes. They said, no, no, you'd have more time. I said, I don't, I don't want more time because I value your time. And here's what I did. I want you to know something about me. And, and this is how I have tried to gain wisdom. And I still do this. I asked them questions. I didn't do a bunch of talking. I didn't sit down and waste their time and just shoot the breeze and tell them everything about my life. I want to know about theirs. I read the books before I met with them. If I had questions about the book, I would ask that. But here are the questions that I ask leaders, and I ask every leader this, and I want you to to kind of, you know, you can write this down if you can. But I would say, what is the single greatest truth you've ever learned? And that would always stump them. The next question I would ask is, what do you regret the most or wish you did differently? Every pastor I talked to, and let me say this, they said, I regret that I did not spend more time with my family. I'm going to tell you something. When I sit with gray-haired pastors who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, every one of them said, I sacrificed my marriage or my kids on the altar of ministry. There's not one pastor who has never told me that was a regret. That's why I take it so seriously. I learned that early on in life. I ask them this too. What do you do or what have you done that has made you the most successful? What's the thing that you would say that was the key to your success And I ask this question, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? What's the single greatest truth you've ever learned? What's made you the most successful? Like those are things I went over and I asked asked these leaders this over and over again. What are three books that that you would recommend that I read? What would you suggest that I do? What would you suggest that I don't do? And I'm going to tell you something, you can learn so much. When I was younger, that was my heart. I wanted to learn from other people. See, my journey is different than most people. I didn't grow up in youth group. I didn't have a youth group. I didn't go to church, right? When I got saved, I was, again, a leopard-printed hair, pierced, tattooed, skateboard punk rocker that went, and this is 20 years ago, that was in a rural church. You just go ahead and go figure, right? So that's what I faced, and when I went in there, I didn't I wasn't given opportunities for things. I wasn't chosen to be part of their leadership council. I wasn't but I wasn't chosen to be a preacher. There 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 were these really, you know, like the guys who looked the part that grew up in church that were all going to school to be preachers. Um they would sometimes let me teach, but they never said you have a calling to preach. Nobody ever told me that until I met my friend Brett Cooper. And so these really like, you know, they, they looked the part I don't know what they call it, looked the part of church, right? They were the church kids. They would get up and preach. They all went to Bible college. I was touring in a punk rock band while they did that. Can I tell you the difference between me and them? I was hungry. You know the difference between hungry and hungry, right? If you're in the South, hungry is right. I will eat whatever you put before me. The difference between those guys and me was this. I read more books than they read. I wanted it more than they wanted it. I went and got mentoring, and they didn't. Matter of fact, those guys that were all picked to be preachers aren't even in ministry and aren't following Jesus today. That's sad, but can I tell you the difference? It's a teachable heart. Before I ever married my wife, when I first started dating her, I sat down with a mentor and said, Teach me about marriage. Teach me about the secrets of marriage. Teach me what I need to do and I don't need to do. And from every aspect, how to to, to handle money, to the bedroom, to everything. Like, I want to know everything about it because I had never had, like, a real relationship before. And so... I want to tell you something. The difference that will separate you and someone else is not how much you know. It's not where you grew up. It's not who your mama or daddy is. What will separate you is the fact that you're more teachable and coachable and you're more hungry than the next person. That's the thing, you know, um, that I loved about Kobe Bryant, who's one of my favorite players. And and the thing that you will, that if you ever go back and listen To him, talk about the game of basketball. This guy was hungry. Matter of fact, he was hungry. Go back and listen to to how he was a student of the game. He went and met with Michael Jordan and said, you were in the triangle offense with Phil Jackson. Tell me your thoughts on this. How did you come up with that? Why did you guys do this? He says, the difference between me and other guys who won championships and guys who didn't, the five champions he said, I wanted it more Guys, let me tell you today that you're watching. If you want it more, if you're hungry, then God can use you in ways you never imagined. But it's all about being teachable and about being leaned in. So I want to show you this. Where are some lessons I have learned about teachable hearts? And there are three lessons I've learned about teachable hearts. And here's what I've had to do, and here's what you're going to have to do. If you're going to be teachable, if you're going to see your full potential, 30, 60, 100-fold, in your life of impact. The first thing you've got to do is this. What does a teachable heart look like? They look for what they don't know. This is important. They look for what they don't know. I hear this from guys all the time who, who learn. They go to a conference. They say that the conference wasn't very good. I said, well, why not? Well, I already knew everything. Uh, the moment I hear that, I understand that they're not teachable because you, don't, you didn't know everything. I call it the 95% to 5% rule. The more you know, there's the less that you don't know. That's just common sense. That's math. But here's what I do at a conference. I look for the 5% that could be hurting my ministry or hurting my impact. I may know the 95%, but I don't glaze over because I know the 95%. I'm looking for the 5%. I call it the 5% rule. When you're reading Scripture, when you're listening to a message like you are now, when you're at a conference, when your work host, you know, training, whatever it is they do for you, you're like, oh, really? You want to look for the 5% that you don't know that can take you to the next level. So what is a teachable heart, what do they do? They look for what they don't know instead of saying all that they do know. Here's the second thing that people with the Teachable Heart do. They listen more than they talk. Yes, this is key. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. They listen. See, Jesus said it's those who truly hear and understand. There are people who are listening, but they're not really hearing. They're not really understanding. They're not soaking it in. They're just doing it because maybe church is fun. Or maybe they're in college, they want to make more money. But they're not doing it because they want to learn. So what do they do? They listen more than they talk. When you get around someone who is a leader and you get their time, listen to them. Don't go in telling them everything you know. Ask good questions. Make sure you pull everything you can out of them. I want you to realize this is about reading. Reading is a form of listening. And here's the thing that you, you have to learn. When you read a book, most experts say that you will gain five to 10 years in life experience by reading a book about something, about knowledge. Um, you know, the, the fun, you know, fiction books don't count. But, it, but when you're reading something that's going to help you, you will gain five to 10 years in knowledge just by reading a book. So they listen more than they talk. And here's the final uh, point. Here's what a teachable heart does they find ways to apply what was heard right so they don't just listen but they understand meaning they're going to apply the very thing that they're listening to many people don't think about how am i going to apply this when you read scripture the number one thing you've got to come out of it with i don't care if you read one scripture or read a whole book of the bible in one sitting i don't care what it is you must ask the question what must i do with what i just read not what must the world do not what my spouse or ex must do but now what must i do with what i just read every time i read scripture i pause and say god You've illuminated the scripture to me. You've enlightened the scripture today to me. It's speaking to my heart. Now, in light of what I'm facing currently, why is the Holy Spirit showing this to me? And you know what, what the, the reason is? Because he wants me to apply it in my life. There's something I need to live out. See, we need to stop saying, that a preach. You know people all the time in congregations, amen, pastor, that'll preach, that'll preach. You know what we should be saying? Amen, pastor, that will live. Amen, pastor, that will live out in life. Because That's what it's meant to do. The Word of God is never meant just to be listened to. The Word of God has been meant to be applied in our lives. And so our goal is to become teachable in our life, to have a teachable heart. Friends, let me tell you, in my life, that's the only thing I know to do is just to be a really great learner. People wonder all the time why I took Greek. I took, uh, you know, Greek. It was about two years worth in college. It was at a master's level, from what I've been told. And many guys didn't take Greek. You know why? They didn't want to get up every morning to 8 o'clock. Be the person who's willing to do what other people are unwilling to do. When you look at your life today, I want to close with this. I want to speak directly to you watching this today. When you look at your life out learn the next person outwork the next person be more teachable than the person next to you at your job be more teachable and if you will do that if you'll posture yourself to learn to submit then god will use you in ways you can never imagine if you'll do that realize god wants to see a 30 60 or 100 fold increase in your life what's the difference between those who Get strangled from those who are shallow from those who have hard soil it's teachability they truly hear and they truly listen stay tuned for our next steps